Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Personalization Outbreak Podcast. Get ready to embark on a thought-provoking journey into the realm of healthcare transformation with our guest, Daniel Gandaria, Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer for Executive Services at Advocate Health. Now, in this capacity, Daniel is responsible for executive leadership in its entire life cycle, including recruiting, onboarding, compensation, development, relationships, and much more. Together, we will discuss the importance of strategic innovation, patient-centered innovation and excellence, and the need for organizational transformation as we explore the evolving landscape of healthcare leadership. Join us as we uncover the driving forces behind Advocate Health's mission to reshape patient care and healthcare executive leadership. Now, before we get started, please click the like button below, share it with your colleagues, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and social media at Glenn Yopis. Let's get started. You are listening to Personalization Outbreak, a podcast about the collapse of traditional corporate standards in today's more personalized world. I'm Glenn Yopis. I'm a leadership strategist, author, contributor to Forbes, and founder of the Leadership in the Age of Personalization movement. On this show, I'm interviewing executives across multiple sectors to find out how the balance between standardization and personalization can exist. Daniel, I've been waiting for this call. Thanks for your time and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I, I love your work and uh, I've just been ready to, I'm ready to get into it. So I know you probably don't want to jump right in, but I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, look, at, thank you. And look, we, we know here on Personalization Outbreak Podcast that it's about getting to know the individual. So Help us understand and help our audience get to know you a little bit here, Daniel, before we actually dig deep into the topic. So what fueled such a high level of intellectual curiosity, Daniel, to earn such an impressive academic background that includes not just a bachelor's degree, but two masters and a doctorate? Yeah, I mean, um, that's a great question. That's a lot of school, right? That's a lot of school. Um, uh, but it, it was really uh, my parents. I mean, I'll just, you know, they, they always told us you have to keep furthering your studies and, um, and continue to learn. I think my dad told me that I couldn't get married until I had at least one master's degree. I mean, it started, it started with, with them. And I think that's just because they um, did not have as much uh, opportunity, I think, to, to finish school and necessarily pay for school, all that. I mean, I know my dad eventually was able to go get his master's degree later and and like but it was just it was just you know that was ingrained in myself and my um and my siblings that we needed to um, to get uh, to get those types of degrees and to continue to study and it just spreads from there once you get started you get hooked right and learning you just continue to to learn and and just be uh curious about things well you're a good role model because today with all the change that we're all experiencing we have a lot of learning to do but before we go into the topic specifically tell us a little bit about your cultural background i mean ganderia comes from somewhere yeah that's right so from um from uh i mean by way of uh of mexico right northern mexico in the state of chihuahua but um 
I actually spent some time living in Mexico City as well. I was born in the, in the United States, but I thought it was important to get connected to my my roots. So spent a, a year in Mexico City, really um, just exploring and learning and um, and making sure I understood more about you know culturally where I'm from. I love that. You know, that's part of the immigrant perspective. You know, we uh, take the time to navigate and explore because we're in search of what's possible. And it's clear here that two things immediately come up. Number one, your parents, your father was really pushing you to explore what was possible in you as an individual through education. But now you've assumed this role uh, in executive services. And we're going to talk a lot about that today because this is something new in healthcare. But when you consider uh, Daniel, the level of transformation uh, taking place amongst healthcare systems in the United States. How is the HR team at Advocate Health thinking differently, not just about the work that must be done, but why it's so important for the organization to thrive? Now, before you jump into that, uh, why don't you give people a little background of this recent uh, M&A that took place in uh, Advocate's new identity? Yeah, and even before that, my mom would slap me if I didn't say that she also pushed me to get uh, the degree. She was probably the one that I mean, most of my mom made sure that I got it. But so, anyways, uh, I love that. Hey, you can never forget mom because the truth is, mom is always the initiator to make sure. That's exactly right. If I'm, it go. She takes it. She makes sure that when things happen, they have to go all the way through to the end. Is this proper representation of your mom? that's exactly that's exactly right. So I just had before I get into that, I just have to make sure I acknowledge that. Otherwise, I probably would I'd never do another podcast ever. <laughs> um, Thank but, you, Dan. Uh, but um, yeah, so you know, part of I think the 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 work that's happening just in healthcare and specifically at Advocate, we're a new combination right between Atrium Health in the Southeast and Advocate Aurora in the Midwest. Um, it's really. Um, uh, uh, great opportunity for us that we felt was we had really aligned um, missions, really committed into the communities um, and really trying to make our communities better. So it was a good time and a good um, opportunity to get together the retirement of Jim Scogsberg, who's the uh, CEO from Advocate Aurora. Um, and it was uh, it was great uh, to be able uh, to, to come together. Just perfect, perfect timing aligned missions um, and visions of where everyone wanted to go. Um, as we come together, I think part of um, the things that we're really exploring are, well, how are we the same and how are we, how are we different? And even into this, right, I know you, you like personalization. Um, well, just at even a macro level, there's differences between how we've operated and even cultural differences between the southeast of the United States and the Midwest, and um, you know how people interact, how people set goals, how people talk to each other. So really trying to just come together to figure out who do we want to be, and we know that that's going to take a little bit of time. So the short-term thing is, well, let's just start working together and figure it out as we're as we're working together because that's the best way to get to know. So. Um, we've really just been trying to help convene, right? Um, at this point, the HR team's been been convening, but also laying out our own strategy around um, how we want to transform um, um, HR. And that team got put into different roles, and that's how I ended up in in this current role, which I'll I'll definitely talk more about. So, what are those? Uh, back to um, 
what we were talking about, how is the team trying to think differently about the work that must be done? What What is it that's prompting this? Yeah, I think, um, so I think what uh, the challenge that we, that we face, right, and, and healthcare, um, and just for us as an HR team in healthcare is, is really to figure out how to address this overall change in, um, in healthcare to be more consumer, right? Um, consumer oriented. Um, so for example, I mean, I think we all know, right? We talk about it for years. Everyone's trying to catch up to, to Amazon that with a couple clicks of a button, boom, something shows up to your house in, in five or six, five or six hours. So as an HR team, we, we have to think about, so what are the new capabilities of the organization that, we're gonna we're gonna need. How do we support our leaders as they're thinking through those types of transformations? Where can we even help to convene or connect the dots? I have we have a, a I have a colleague um, uh, on the team that leads our this other brand new function we've created, which is around HR strategy, innovation, transformation that helps to helped us. We got um, our thoughts around kind of these short-term plans and, and we call them pledges that we've made to the um uh, to the communities as a part of coming together and we put our own thinking and we took those to the business leaders of them to say hey here's what we think it means and how and they were really excited by that work that we did collectively because we were proactively thinking about you know based on what the organization was going to do what might be some of the capabilities we need internally whether it's new types of roles, new types of mindsets, um, you know, ways of, of convening people that haven't been done before. That's been the work that we've really done over the past um, five-ish months. So, Well, you know, this is clearly on a trajectory of trying to find that balance between the ways we've always done things, standardization, and the things that we need to do to get the most, not just out of our people, but ultimately the collective um, capacity that we all bring when we're in lockstep with each other, which always hasn't been the case in healthcare. Yeah, I think that it's, it's a, you know, fundamental, I call it like some change management and that, hey, we can say we want to do X, but the way to get people to do X, you got to get every individual, right, has to be moving together to make that successful. Um, uh, and so, that's been, you know, a, a big, a big part of what we're trying to do. And specifically right now, it's not having an impact, like care is being delivered, right? It's, it's really, can we get our new forming um, leadership teams um, together and um, synced up, looking at the problem the same way and advancing it collectively. So that's been, um, that, that's been where we've been focused. Uh, so on that note, Daniel, what are some of the overall goals you're aiming to achieve uh, with the executives across the enterprise at Advocate? And why are these goals so important? Yeah, I think um, in the in the short term, right, we've been trying to just get people settled into their new roles, clarify what their roles are, responsibilities, what's changed, right? what hasn't so that we don't keep doing things to your point the same way or that we end up with conflict um, uh, that doesn't necessarily need to, um, uh, to happen because someone thinks they're supposed to do things. So it's really been this first phase is, is settling. Um, 
but as, as a part of that, um, we're really trying to change um, some some mindsets right now, right? Some of those mindsets around like, well, how do I need to do the work? How do I think now even bigger? We talk about thinking like a system, but when you start to think about that, you have to understand there's pieces and parts that are in different parts of your organization. It's not the same, you know, it's not the same car you were driving before. There's pieces over here. So you got to figure out what do you need to do to put that together? Um, and so there's been conversations that I've had, my colleagues have had really focused on, okay, well, let's just clarify, what are you trying to do? Based on that, back to this point, based on what you're trying to do, well, what needs to happen? Not, you know, I want to do X, but I'm going to keep doing the same thing. And some of that's just trying to slow things down a little bit, which can be frustrating. Um, but I think that's a, that's a part of, let's just have a conversation and understand what, what needs to happen. So that's kind of been um, our, some of that short-term, short-term work really around mindsets um, for the current um, executives to, to shift. You know, if you can, if you're ready to discuss this, uh, Daniel, because we didn't discuss it in preparation for this, but when you mentioned role clarity, you know, I continue to see that as the needs, in this case, of patients or the communities or just the people themselves uh, as, the org- as organizations are really trying to reestablish a new identity with the demands that are now placed on the industry. Um, are you finding that role clarity continues to pop up as one of those warning signs? I mean, it seems to me in the work that we do that um, just because you've played in that, you've been in that role for the past 10, 20 years, it doesn't mean that that role remains the same. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're um, spot on, right? A role needs to um needs to evolve right and to um if you're, you're if you're doing the same thing for 10 years consistently that tells you there's not a lot of evolution and change in, in the work that's being done so yes ab- absolutely and we we know it has to i think that's part of as we went into um thinking through how we're going to put these teams together we had a playbook and as part of that playbook we were trying to really you know define um uh, what's new in a job that needs to be done, or this job is now a combination of these prior two jobs. So it's going to be X. So part of the design process of the yep. organization included rescoping what the um, what the roles were and making sure we we understood. Now I'm not saying that everybody liked that, <laughs> right? Well, there's I mean, where you run into some healthy tension, right? I mean, this is where the work really starts. That's that's exactly right. And that's part of where we're where we're kind of we're figuring out right in here. How do you make this work? Because um, in certain parts, right, we've got legacy organizations that are part of here, whether it's the, um, you know, uh, Atrium Health, which was the Charlotte um, market, or it's the Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist or Floyd or Navison or Advocate or Aurora, these legacy systems that had done things differently. And you're finding some of those those pieces and they um, uh, they potentially worked right in that community. So how do you pull these together without breaking something unnecessarily? And I think that's when we talk about the mindsets, you know, there's, um, when I, what, what attracted me first to Atrium Health before we joined, uh, um, became a part of advocate in this combination was, uh, our CEO, Gene Woods talks about white space, right? You can draw up an org chart 
But when you draw org charts, there's always white space in between all these, these boxes. And you have to, as a team, come together and close that. Um, and so it's not about hierarchy or whatever. It's about okay, what needs to be done and how do we, what resources do we have on the team to be able to do that? It's a different way of, of, of thinking. Um, and sometimes, you know, you end up playing a role that may not necessarily be in, um, in a job description, but sometimes you have to do that before um, to let it evolve, right? So, Daniel, you're so right. And uh, as I think about this, I mean, think about how, at least from our generation, um, we've been conditioned to fit in a box. And now what's happening is that we have to become, and what you're doing essentially is preparing people not only to reinvent the box that they're in, but play outside of it, which you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily comfortable with because that means you might be sharing somebody else's box. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And we have to be comfortable in that, right? And I think that's part of our, you know, overall purpose in this executive center is really about finding the right talent, right? Whether it's internal or external, getting them into the organization, growing the people internally that we can to really cast that new, shadow we need over the organization and say, hey, this is how we need to do things, right? This well, is going to so, be so, so forgive me for interrupting, Daniel. This is the part that I was really looking forward to discussing. Yeah. The executive center. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, I didn't do a very good job of teeing you up for this, but um, what is it? And, and how is the objective of the executive center not just in connection to the overall strategy at Advocate, but in the type of work that you're going to be doing, because it's as if this newly created position uh, can maybe become the new, the new uh, aspiration for other healthcare organizations or even across industries. I, I hope so. I should probably do a little research on this myself and I can publish. So that's what I should do. But, um, but it, it's, um, yeah, so our executive center, um, was created to really focus, and you mentioned the beginning on the life cycle um, for the executive from finding them right through whenever they may choose to leave um, the organization. So through that through that offboarding process, um, but right now where we find ourselves really laser like focused is on um, getting in the right talent or roles or finding people internally, right, and our talent for roles, they can think differently about the work that's been been done for many different reasons, right? I mean, number one is this person has to be a good cultural navigator to understand how things were done on both sides and to bring people together and say, this, this can be a great way forward, um, not just because it's good for the organization, right, but because it's, it will help us do the right thing for our our patients and our community—that's a—that's a very different um, type of uh, of lens to to look at. Or usually we're looking at it from a, hey, can you do it really efficiently? Well, we need you to do it efficiently. We need you to do it efficiently. Don't get me wrong, but we also need you to have um, this lens about the work that's committed to to the purpose of the organization. Which for us, I mean, again, it's about health, but that extends beyond into how do you leverage the organization as a um, 
as a tool for um, meaningful and uh, meaningful employment, right? To go into communities that may be underserved, find out ways to get um, to get these uh, individuals that may not take a traditional path into the workforce, give them a meaningful career um, and uh, and livable, sustainable wages. Like these are, it's a different mindset um, to that because it may mean that in the short term. We got to do things a little bit differently, or in the, we got to do things differently, radically different right now. And so we're looking for those kind of people committed. So how will this uh, really change the type of work that you'll specifically be doing, Daniel? Yes. Yeah, so, so I think for for me specifically, right? Um, I may give you examples. Is now when we look at what what I end up doing is really trying to make it easy for our um, our executives to get in the door and do the work that they're supposed to do right away, right? Before you might have all of these, these little pieces and it feel disconnected, right? And mm-hmm. so it can slow you down in that process. We know we need to move with speed to achieve our mission. So when we are posting like a requisite, we're hiring for some individuals now, we're closing the requisition and I'm already making sure that handoff and we've started the onboarding, that onboarding process for them. We've got people ready and connected to pull them together. So you can just feel it. So from that first moment, we're trying to wrap services around someone. So they, it, it just, it, it makes it so seamless and easy that um, uh, they can actually do the strategic thought work we need them to do when they're, when they're joining, that's going to um, disrupt um, and, and push us in, in this new direction. So is it really intended to create more focus on the kind of support that they need, um, understanding what works, what doesn't work. Is this almost like a little center of excellence? It is like a little center of excellence when they're weak. I mean, we will, uh, we're, we got to study the population and know, hey, what do they want? You know, what do they need? What do we currently have? What's working? What's not? Let's see what their experience is in day in and day out to try to address to try to address those things um, again with the full intent understanding that we're doing this for them in order to make them like to make their work easier right because that's that's the value they're going to bring is in the strategic thought work so if we find out that hey it takes them 50 clicks to do something let's do it in two right or one or what like so how how can we really study and do it so it is a very focused um, COE, but again, across the, that life cycle. So we need to know and understand, you know, what's happening. Um, even when they go to hire somebody, like how do we improve those, those processes? So what it, it takes for me is a lot of, um, is a lot of influence, right. To be able to know, because some of these things are going to be outside of our, our domain. We, we've done this in, in the onboarding process, for example, is to make sure someone gets access, maybe even before they start to an email address so they know what it's going to be. That's connecting with our IT team, right? And, and being able to say, we need you to do X and here's Y um, so, that, uh, so that we can get them um, just accelerated in their, in their learning and transition. So, so what if, again, we're probably going a little bit long here, but this is, I think, such an important development. What triggered the center? Like, beyond what you've said here, like what was the major gap that was identified to say, Hey, this is something 
that requires a dedicated senior leader like you, Daniel, to really springboard. So I think your team, uh, of course. Yeah, oh, of course, right. And there, it's a it's a small but mighty team that's very focused, um, right, on it that just kind of lives and breathes it every day. I think, um, I think, I mean, it. So this was put together as a part of um, a strategic project where there was benchmarks that were done looking at how are people structuring um, uh, their HR organizations to best address needs, right? And then you look at it, you can say, well, physicians often have very unique, tailored, specific organization work. Nurses often have, right, that that focus uh, around there. I think in sort of understanding that the work was different, and that's probably the key the key point is it's about the work in this space is different, whether it's legal contracts, whether it's um, the amount of time that somebody needs to be more effective and onboard into a role, whether it's the type of skills and competencies that are, that are needed, or even how the recruiting process is so personalized right in there that it's gotta be a perfect match in there. There's so many factors because of that, that work, I think was identified to be put together because it's it's similar and very different from other other types of, of work. And so it's back to this nature, and you'll love this because you, you're focused on on personalization. But the, the way to get there is to really understand well what's similar about certain things and what's different, and start to at least move in the direction of of putting similar type things together to allow a better focus on that. Right. Um, and then that just quickly amplifies. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, so as we close here, uh, Daniel, you've been in the role for about five months. What have you already seen uh, that has started to create some real positive change? Yeah, I think the um, is we've been bringing in uh, external um, individuals or, or hiring people into roles. I'll say that this onboarding process that um, someone on the team has put together to convene from different areas is really powerful, right? For um, for these leaders because she's bringing together individuals from um, uh, that have different perspectives from one organization or the other, and they're really trying to navigate it. And there's new and different things that are coming up, saying, "Well, you know what? Rather than have them do uh, this compliance training this way, why don't we just spend a day with?" Oh, okay. Now we're tailoring it to their to their needs and what they're gonna and they're gonna have better interactions and and conversations. It's it's just sometimes it's the power of of just bringing some people together through a new lens. And when they start bumping into each other, there's this energy, right? That's created and something new spits out um, based on that. To me, that is um, that's the whole goal here, right? Is if we can get closer to yeah, you needed this. And we got you, like, not the stock thing that everybody gets, but something more tailored to that than we want. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Well, look, thank you for joining us today, Daniel. I mean, we'll follow up and uh, maybe give the audience an update in, in the next year to see how you're doing. But uh, this, this is um, very innovative, super timely. Um, and, you know, we wish you all the best. And thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you, as always. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to coming back.
But as we leave every show, when you lead in the age of personalization, you will see things that others don't. Do what others won't and keep pushing when prudence says quit. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for listening to Personalization Outbreak. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. If you enjoyed the content, visit ageofpersonalization.com to check out our free streaming video series and learn how to get involved in the movement. I'm Glenn Yopis. I wish you a good day. And remember, without strategy, change is merely substitution, not evolution.